Well, welcome church. I'm so glad you're at church. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't know what your week has looked like, but I want you to know you are in the presence of the Lord. You know, scripture says where there's praise, the Lord inhabits there. You know, he inhabits the praise of his people. So I'm glad you're at church. I'm super excited about this message. I just have a feeling God's going to move in a really special way. I have that feeling. Sometimes I get that feeling uh, quite often, actually. So welcome online. Thank you for being a part of this service. And I want to encourage you to jump in and engage and participate in that chat. And uh, we're just glad you were a part of this. So let's pray. God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for your grace and your love. Um, I worship you. We worship you. Lord, would you just uh, work in every, in every mind and heart, those watching and those uh, in the house attending, would you move in every, every, every soul, Lord? We need you desperately. We want to give you our worries, our, our troubles, our concerns, our stress, our anxiety. We just want to give it all to you, Lord. Give it all to you. And we need to hear a word from you, God. By your grace, um, as always, Lord, my prayer is that you use me. May your Holy Spirit work in me and through me. Um, may your spirit bring peace and, and encouragement and even conviction and, and, and all of those things, God. I just pray that every, every person has that encounter with you, even the person who's not expecting anything. I want to pray, Lord, for um, our world. Our world needs you. Um, I, I think about what's happening on the other side of the world, God. And I think about uh, good people that are there that are, are fearing for their life and I pray, God, that you are with them. I pray, Jesus, that you watch over them, and I pray that uh, salvation even happens in the hearts and souls. So thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. I'll direct my thoughts and words, Lord. May everything I say be from, from you, Lord, and nothing, nothing less. Uh, I only want to speak your will, God. That's my desire. Thank you, God, for your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be at church, isn't it? Hey, so this week, um, actually it started about last week, um, the mornings have gotten like much busier for me. Have you experienced that? Right around 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7.30, particularly around like schools, elementary schools, high schools, it's a really big inconvenience. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Starbucks lines have gotten really, really long, and it's like, are you serious? So I'm going to call the principal, and I'm going to talk to them about starting school later for me, because it really is about me and my mornings. And uh, has anybody experienced, you know, the mornings like that? And I'm like, oh my word, this is taking longer, and which way do I go so that I don't have to drive by a school? <laughs> it's like, where, what's the best path uh, to take? Uh, you, you know, you have those things. You know, how cool would it be if there were like traffic jams for church? Think about that a little bit. How cool would it be if there was like a line to get into church and let's say from our parking lot, it went all the way like up Colorado and there was a line to get in. I mean, people showed up early 
to come to church. Imagine if you show up on time and the closest place you could park is in like the King Supers parking lot. That's the closest place you could park because every other spot is taken. And when you showed up late, the only seats that were available were in the front row because everybody fills it from the back to the front, right? Um, except you guys. You guys have your pew right there. Um, but uh, imagine, imagine just a jam pack service and people wanting to go to church and showing up early. Wouldn't that be cool? Sunday morning, oh, traffic is horrible because everybody's going to church on Sunday morning. It's just the opposite, isn't it? Sunday morning, there's like, where is everybody at? Well, they're at home, they're sleeping, they're traveling or whatever they're doing. Um, Psalm chapter 150 is where we're at today, guys. And uh, we've been in this series. This is our last message on this series called The People's Hallelujah. And if you're just joining us, we've spent 13 weeks looking at different chapters in the book of Psalms. And it's been so, so good. In fact, our worship team took on uh, your submissions of lyrics and they created four, is that right, Riley? Four original songs, four original songs and uh, would you just show your appreciation to our worship team, guys? They're awesome. Uh, and it's been so, so cool seeing, and maybe you made some submissions and you see your lyrics up on the screen, whatever, whatever it is. You know, I don't know why when I preach, stuff's in my mouth. It's like, where'd that come from? You know, have you ever had that for you? I share everything with you, maybe too much. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to spit like beef jerky is going to fly out to the crowd or something like that. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, um, so Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is really interesting. It's the last chapter in, in the book of Psalms. So we don't know the author of Psalm 150. And in fact, uh, it's known as a hallelujah psalm. You know what hallelujah means? Praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. And the last few chapters are known as the Hallelujah Psalms. So if you look at Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150, you're going to see this theme, praise the Lord. Those are the Hallelujah Psalms. And it's so appropriate in 150 because you think about everything that has happened from chapter 1 through chapter 149, much of it represents the, the people of Israel, the children of God, and everything they experienced. And, you know, they've experienced heartache, exile, illness, suffering, betrayal, enemies, um, all kinds of stuff, temptation and conflict and disappointment and depression and doubt and, and persecution and bondage and captivity and pain and darkness and hurt and trouble and, and all of these things. And it ends with, praise the Lord. It's kind of like us coming to church, right? It's like you go to church and some of us, you have had a rough week. Maybe even the last summer has been rough. Maybe it's been the whole year has been rough or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, I experienced all of these things and, and I'm not sure about this and I'm not sure about that. And I've been hurt and I've been wounded and I've been betrayed and I've had to work through illness and sickness and I've had to work through depression or whatever it is. And then you're at church ready to worship God. Psalm 150, isn't that beautiful? Psalm 150, it ends with Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Here it is, verse 1. 
Praise the Lord. You know what, guys? Let's stand up and read this. This is a, there's only 142 verses, so we can probably do that, do it together. Psalm chapter 150. Um, let's read it out loud with some boldness. And if you can't pronounce a word, just pronounce it with some confidence and it'll be all right. Um, verse one, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Oh, keep going. Praise him for his Amen. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, open our eyes and ears. Free us from any competing thoughts or distractions. We need you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You guys were awesome. Please be seated. Thank you so much for participating. Um, thank you so much. Um, one Bible scholar said this about Psalm 150. Psalm 150 contains no argument, no real teaching, no real explanation. It is an eloquent, passionate cry to all creation to give Yahweh the praise due to him. I mean, think about that. Psalm 150, there's no history. There's no story behind it. It's just, you need to just praise God. <laughs> you just need to praise God. I know you've been through a lot. You just need to praise God. You need to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him all of your praise. He deserves it. That's all Psalm 150 is. You just need to praise the Lord. And you need to remember the author, when you look at the other chapters, well, it talks about all kinds of problems and troubles and stuff. That I mean, just like you and I, all kinds of stuff that we go through. And then Psalm 150 ends with, you just need to praise the Lord. Why aren't there traffic jams for church? Why not? Why aren't there traffic jams? Why do some people go to church and other people don't? Why do some people praise God and, and other people don't? Why aren't there traffic jams? I mean, if, if, the, if the Broncos are playing, you know, you know to avoid I-25 at a certain hour, right? Or, or, or that minor league team we have called the Rockies, you know, right? If, if they're out there, you, anyway. But you, whatever it is, you know, oh, there's people there. And they show up early. Why is it that some people just praise God and other people don't? When we used to, uh, this was our, our first building. This is going way back. Let me think about my years here for a second. So it would have been right around 2000, 2003. Yeah, when we moved into what's known as the Autotrol building, which is where Westgate School is at right now on Washington and 126. When we moved into that building, it had a different ownership. And they had a baseball field behind it. You guys, some of you who were there, you guys remember the baseball field right behind it? And it was a pretty well-kept baseball field. And, and, uh, and there was like softball, I believe is what it was. Guys would play softball and be part of the league there. And I remember during those days, we were running probably, I don't know, maybe 10 people, maybe 30 people strong. You, know, you guys 
We, I don't know where you guys were at. You guys weren't with me. Anyway, we were around 10, 30 people. And I remember they had these windows out in the worship center, if you guys, some of you remember that. And I would stand on Sunday mornings because we only had one service during those days. It was the 10 a.m. service. And I remember looking out those windows and seeing cars. And I'm like, oh, great, people are coming to church. And they weren't coming to church. They would literally drive in our parking lot. I don't remember this, Caroline. I'm like, they drive in our parking lot, and they drive right by church, and they would go right up to the softball field. And I just remember thinking, you know what, Lord? I hope one day we have more cars than the baseball field has. I hope more cars come to church than go to that softball field. You know, they show up, and you know what they do is, is they warm up. They're, they're warming up. They're about to play. They're reliving their high school glory days, right? They're warming up and stuff. And, they, and I think, how come we don't show up to church and, like, warm up? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm going I'm to be worshiping God, so let me go ahead and get a stretch. And, you know, we don't do that stuff. It's, incidentally, it's really interesting how people worship God, isn't it? <laughs> really interesting. Some people, yeah, this is your worship. This is your position of worship. Let me just tell you, the worship team knows who you are. <laughs> Isn't that right, worship team? You know, <laughs> I'm clapping inside. I'm jumping inside. And others of you, um, uh, Tim Hawkins talks about this stuff. Others of you, you kind of you do this thing just a little bit, right? Like you're holding the baby. You got the goalpost, right? That's the other one. <laughs> Some, you know, heart pain kind of thing. This is what I do a lot. This is where something's... You know, or you're with that person right by you, and you're like, you know, it's cute. Um, whatever it is, we have different expressions. But when we worship God, it's like a physical expression of what God is doing uh, in, in, in our life, and we want to, we want to show it. Um, John Ortberg said this, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is toward self-reliance and stubborn independence. That we were created to worship. And there's certain things that we wrestle with. It's kind of like gravity. It just kind of pulls us one direction. It's easy for us to forget that we have a big God, isn't it? It's easy for us to be fearful at times, especially in the day of a pandemic or whatever it might be. It's easy to forget what God has called you to do. It's easy to become self-preoccupied. You can just ask Martha lose a sense of wonder, to be ungrateful, to be self-reliant, even stubborn. It's easy for all of those things to happen. And when you go to church, we're worshiping this invisible God, and we're saying, God, I, I worship you, I, I need you, I, I love you, I, I praise you, God. It's this expression that, God, I just worship you because of who you are. Psalm 150 is really interesting because it starts off with giving some reasons, and it says why and where and this kind of thing. In fact, verse 1 addresses where. Uh, it says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. So he names two locations, 
Praise him in his sanctuary. In his sanctuary. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why do we lift our hands? This is a a hand-raising kind of church. And I love that. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. If you don't like raising your hand, would you raise your hand? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. If you I'm just kidding. But uh, it, uh, this is a hand raising. And when, when, when we do this, and I, I, this is not something, you know, before I was a believer, this is not something I did naturally. I mean, I would clap for, you know, games and sporting events and that kind of thing. But when you raise your hands, it's an expression of saying, God, I, I, I worship you. I surrender to your will. You get all the glory. You get all the praise. With every breath, with every breath, I worship you. And even the lyrics that you see on the screen becomes your your prayer many times. As you sing those lyrics, it's your prayer to God. Whether you raise one hand or you do both hands or it's this or this or whatever it is, it's God, I'm here on earth and I'm just reaching out to touch you. I surrender to you. I love worshiping God. We demonstrate our heart of surrender. And we thank God for what he did. We thank God for that promotion. We thank God for that car that we drive. We thank God for clothes that we have. We thank God for providing. We thank God because he made a way. We thank God because that test came back negative. But real praise is, I didn't get the job and I'm going to praise you anyway. I didn't come through, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I didn't get that promotion, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't have a house, but I'm going to praise you anyway. The test came back positive, but I'm going to praise you anyway, God. I didn't get that answer to prayer, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. That's real praise. You know what I'm talking about. That's like a whole different level. A praise. Like, I'm going to go to church even though I don't feel like it because I'm going to go to the house of God and I'm going to worship my God and I want to get there and I want to worship him. I dare you to praise God. I dare you to praise God. I dare you to put your hands together and praise God for everything he's done in your life. I dare you to worship him because of everything he's done. I dare you to worship your creator. I dare you to praise God. (laughs) One day, we're going to be going on for about 30 minutes right there. One day. When you look at scripture, you see Jesus and how much he loved the church. I mean, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, right? He said that. But when you look at his life in the gospels, Matthew chapter 12 says, departing from there, he went into their synagogue. Mark chapter one says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Luke chapter 4 says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. It was the place of worship. It was the place where God's word was read. It was the place was what was known as Moses' seat. 
Moses' seat was the place where Scripture, the Torah, the Pentateuch was read. It was a place where the word of God was proclaimed and people came from their busy lives and the problems and troubles of their life and they just kind of had to come to church. You know what it's like. Some of you, you miss one weekend of church and you feel it, don't you? You miss, and usually it hits you like by Tuesday or something like that. You're like, man, I miss church and I feel it. My attitude is crabby. I'm in a terrible place and I need church. We need church. Church is so powerful. It's an opportunity to serve even. We have this gal uh, who, who attends Thorn Creek online. Her name is Kim. Kim lives in Colorado Springs, about an hour and a half away from, from, from where we're at. And she watches faithfully. Kim, if you're watching right now, hello, we love you. I'm glad you're here. God bless you. And she watches faithfully, and she loves Thorn Creek Church. And I want you to see her desire to be involved at Thorn Creek Church. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Kim. My husband, Jason, and I have been attending Thorn Creek Church online for several months now. I have recently started to serve in the capacity as an online host, and I really enjoy having the opportunity to do this because it allows me to interact with others inside as well as outside the state of Colorado. Um, it's super easy to do. If you're thinking about what you can do for your ministry, give this a shot. You don't have to be a techie to be successful in doing this. It's very easy and it's very fulfilling. Oh, way to go, Kim. Isn't that cool? She's serving at Thorn Creek Church and she's never been in this brick and mortar building ever. And she's serving. What an incredible testimony for, for us, whether you're here in person or online. You, there's a place for you to serve. There's a place for you to be involved in the church. And the church is so powerful. Jesus went to church. The second part of that verse said, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him in his mighty heavens. The word heavens, the old King James used a word called firmament. And it's the same word that you, use, that you read about in Genesis chapter 1-6. Um, the firmament or, or the heavens was an expanse. And if you could imagine like your bed sheet when you're, when you're uh, fixing your bed at home or something like that, you're putting sheets on, you stretch out all four corners. And literally, uh, the, the God of the heavens, there's this idea of the universe has been stretched out. It's been like stomped on, hammered out, and then it's been stretched. So when, when, you, when you go to bed and you have the sheet that you pull over yourself, I want you to think about this verse right here. But if this idea of this firmament or this the expanse, something spread out, and it's like the heavens are stretched out so that you can praise God. The heavens are stretched out so that you can praise God. God. It's really interesting that this Hebrew word means, means pressed and stretched when it talks about the heavens. Because there's many scientists that believe the universe is flat. Isn't that interesting? I mean, what if? What if? Well, Psalm 19 says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. 
Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home for in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. It's a good day to talk about the sun. Today was so stinking hot. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, we are perishing for lack of wonder, not for lack of wanders. Think about that a little bit. Are we in wonder over God's creation? Are you? Are you just amazed? You ever just like go outside maybe late at night when you're taking out the trash to the street or whatever it is, and you just look up at all the stars? Are you ever in wonder where like, wow, there's this God up there, the creator, the supreme being who's holding everything together, holding everything together. There might be as many as sextillion stars in the universe. That's the number three, followed by 23 zeros. In other words, that's more than the total number of grains of sand on planet Earth. That's how many stars are out there. You ever feel just small, just a little bit? The Earth is really tiny. I did a little research on all this stuff I'm sharing with you. Uh, did you know in comparison with the rest of the universe, it could fit into the sun 1.3 million times? We're really tiny. And in fact, 95% of the universe has not been discovered yet. 95% of the universe has not been discovered yet. You know what the universe is telling us? Give praise to God. Give praise to God. God holds everything together. If he holds everything together, why are you concerned that God can't hold your life together? Why are you, con why are you worried if God is the one who's holding everything just at the right distance from each other and he keeps everything rotating at the right time and the right moment and everything just works like, like a symphony? Why do you worry about your little life? Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Why is it that some people praise God and others don't? I thought about this question, and that's really where my head has been as I've worked on this message, because Psalm 150 is all about praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But truth is, not everyone does. Luke chapter 17 has this story about these 10 lepers. Now, leprosy, leprosy uh, is an infectious disease that can be really, really severe. It attacks the skin, and it can affect nerve damage, and you can even lose limbs over it. And it's a horrible disease, and it was, it was around during the days of Jesus, and it's still around today. But uh, Luke chapter 17 talks about this disease. It says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men, how many, how many guys, how many? Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, 
go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I, I can't imagine what that looks like. You know, they're like, Jesus, have mercy on us. And they're just, okay, go show yourself, go to, go to church. And as they went to go see the pastor, they're like, We're clean, we're clean. I mean, you can imagine, they're just walking, and as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15 says this. One of them, how many church? When he saw he was healed, came back. What was he doing? In a what? In a loud voice. Have you ever been so touched by God that you didn't care what other people thought about your praise? Have you ever been so touched by God that you didn't care what other people thought about your voice? <laughs> and he was with this guy going, and all of a sudden he's healed, and one guy, how many? One stops in his tracks, and he's praising God, and he's not going to the priest anymore. He's going to the miracle maker. He's running to Jesus. In verse, uh, verse 16 says, here it is. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. That's worship. And thanked him. And then there's this little line, little tagline that says, and he was a Samaritan. In other words, he was a dog. He was not a, he was a half-breed. He was not a purebred Jew. He was not one of God's chosen he was a mix. He worshiped at another place in another temple. They were despised by Jews. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? He has, uh, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Thank you, Lord, that you love Gentiles. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I'm fascinated with this story. You have these nine that all of them experienced the healing. I mean, all of them are like, oh, this is great. I'm healed. And one, all of a sudden, one sees Jesus differently. One is healed and he's so excited, but there's something else going on inside of him. He wants to run back, and where does he do? He falls at the feet of Jesus, and he worships him. See, he recognizes Jesus is unlike anyone else. Jesus deserves my worship. He is, he is the, he is the giver. He is the, he deserves all of my worship. Why didn't the other nine run back with the one? I wonder if even the one said, hey guys, I, I'm going to, I'm going to see you guys later. I don't think he did that. My opinion is he just ran back and he fell at his feet. How long was he living with that leprosy? How many days, how many mornings, how many nights was he scraping his skin or whatever he was doing? And he gets healed just like that, and he runs back, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. See, 
to worship God, <laughs> you have to really have three different things. And I believe these lepers really, this one leper really demonstrated it. So I want to ask you this question. Are you more like the nine or the one? Are you more like the nine or the one? Here's what the one did. First thing, to really praise God, you have to be aware of your insufficiency. You have to be intimately aware of your insufficiency. Sometimes God allows you to go through things that you can't control because he wants you to recognize only he can control things. Sometimes God um, take, allows you to go to this place where you might feel alone because he wants you to turn to him. Sometimes God closes doors around you and you think, why, why is nobody helping me out? Well, sometimes God closes those doors because he wants you to cry out to him so that he can help you out and nobody else gets the glory or the credit but him. Sometimes God lets you go to, through certain experiences because he wants you to look at him in a new way. Like that one leper that ran back and said, I can't go back. I can't keep going. This man changed my life. I don't know who he is, but he deserves my worship. It's, it's like the, the parable of the kingdom of heaven is like one person who found a beautiful you know, treasure and bought the whole land and hid it in the ground because nothing else mattered. Um, sometimes God lets you waste a lot of energy so that you will cry out to him. And you will find out that your strength is limited. Sometimes. Sometimes God just lets you try to figure out things in your own head but God works things out completely different because he wants you to know he's creative and he's God and he can do anything. Sometimes God will allow your heart to go to a place of anger, whatever it might be, but then God turns around and does a miracle because he wants you to see that there's not anyone that he can't change. Many, many years ago, we had, we've had examples of this over and over. We had the, these, uh, this guy who was coming to church many years ago, probably 15 years ago or something like that. But he ends up committing his life to Christ at Thorn Creek Church. And just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, he's attending and this kind of thing. And one day, he runs into another guy at Thorn Creek Church. He did not know this other guy was attending Thorn Creek Church. He happened to work with this guy during the week. And they, would, they had stories of running into each other in the break room. And in the break room, one would be trying to sleep and the other one would turn on the light. And they just had a lot of friction between them. They just didn't like each other at all. And then one day they discover they're both attending the same church. You know what I'm talking about? Have you been there before? And God showed them both, I can change any heart. Everybody needs the grace of God. See, some of you, the only thing that's keeping you to go to another level in your relationship with God is you just haven't been broken yet. You just haven't been broken yet. People who have been broken are humble people. You know what I'm talking about. 
When you've been broken, you don't live with pride and arrogance. You're aware of your strength, that it's very limited. And you see life with a heart of gratitude. If you haven't been broken and everything's come easy for you and you just haven't been at that place, there will be a day that you will be broken. Glory to God. Sometimes, parents, you just need to pray for your kids and allow the brokenness to happen because they're going to be better people on the other side. One leper was broken and the other nine were not. Charles Spurgeon said, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. Why? So when I looked at Psalm 150 and I looked at all these verses, there was only one verse that gave, gave like the, 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 the reason for, and it's verse two. It says, praise him for his acts of power and praise him for his surpassing greatness. So praise him for his power and praise him for his greatness. That's what verse two says. And Hebrew parents understood this. During the days of the Old Testament, it was customary for Hebrew parents to talk to their children about all the great things God has done. Psalm 78 is an example of it. It says, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his, his power and, and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. Mom, dad, you need to tell your children about what God has done in your life. You need to talk about it around the kitchen table. You need to tell them when they're going to bed. You need to talk about it when you're sitting in the living room. And you just need to share with them, let me just tell you what God has done. There was a time when we didn't have anything. There was a time when I didn't have a job. There was a time when I was hurt. There was a time when we didn't know what was gonna happen. There was a time and God moved. Talk about God in your home. Read scripture in your home. Talk about what God has done in your home. Too many homes are just a bunch of people that are acting like roommates. Don't do that. Talk about what God has done in your home and in your life. Men, I want to challenge you to be the spiritual leaders in your home and, and lead the way. And let's talk about what God has done. Be an example of love and grace and kindness and talk about what God has done in your life. To really praise God, you have to be aware of your insufficiency. And number two is this. You have to focus more on God and less on yourself. Now, that goes against our human nature because we're pretty self-centered creatures. The nine lepers got something out of Jesus, but one leper saw Jesus differently. Verse 15 said, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Many times we go to God and we look to ourselves. 
All we think about is our problems and our needs. And it's almost as if, God, I'm coming to you with all these things, and I need you to take care of this and this and this and this kind of thing. But you have it upside down. You have it backwards. It's about worshiping him because of who he is. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people cry out to God for whatever reason. Maybe it was a job situation, a problem in their life, or illness, whatever it is. You know, and you see it on social media, all over social media, right? And they say, oh, I, I, you know, this is happening. And I've seen God do like miraculous things, undeniable things. And what always puzzles me is like they're more like the nine than the one. You know what the nine did is they kept going on in their life and they didn't pay attention to Jesus after that. Scripture doesn't say any of them came back. The nine kept going on in the busyness of their life, going to work, going to school, taking care of the house, doing laundry, going to King Supers, whatever it is. They just kept going with the affairs of life. They almost, and the one though said, no, 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 everything changes and I'm going to run back to Jesus. I can't tell you how many times people have experienced the legit hand of God in their life and they don't go to church. Or how many people have no intention to seek God, no intention to go to church, but they post, would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? Why are they asking for prayer? If it's that important, wouldn't they run back to Jesus? No, they say, God, I need you to do this for me. I want enough of you, God, to get all of your blessings, but I don't want so much to change my heart and change my life. I don't want that much of you, God. And there's something inside of us that is so self-centered that we just think about ourselves. We just think about ourselves. To really praise God, you have to be aware of your insufficiency. You have to focus more on God and less on yourself. And you have to bring the sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. Say sacrifice of praise with me. Sacrifice of praise to God. Proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Well, true praise is sacrificial. See, it's not about what you get, you got to hear this, it's not about what you give, it's a sacrifice, it's about what you give. It's not about what you get from God, it's about what you give to God. We are called to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. That's what Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 talks about. It's about giving. It's not about getting. It's about giving. And that changes everything because even when we go to church, if our heart is when we go to church, what am I going to get out of this? And you have the wrong heart. I sure hope he doesn't preach for much longer because I got to go. I sure hope the seats are going to be comfortable because, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to a church where they're, they're, I sure hope there's a lot of, if there's too few people, I don't want to go to church because they're going to ask me to serve and I don't want to serve. I already served a long time. I don't need to serve anymore. I sure hope, I hope he, if he talks about money, I'm not going to go back. If he talks about money, is he, our attitude needs to change. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. 
It's not about your preferences. It's not about your opinion. It's about your sacrifice of worship, your sacrifice of praise. I'm going to worship my God because he is God. Because he is God. I like Tasha Cobbs. Anybody, have you ever heard of Tasha Cobbs? This is an incredible, incredible artist. And she has a song called One Sacrifice. And I wanted to share some of her lyrics. She said, you provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit. And I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Isn't that good? You provide the fire. And I'll provide the sacrifice. Right here at church, we have these things called altars. Uh, we'll get a shot over here, Hannah. Uh, we have these things called altars. And this is a place right here where, where we encourage people to give themselves to God at this place. <clears throat> and this is an old piece of furniture. I mean, this is not anything new. In the Old Testament, you see these sacrifices and lambs and goats and bulls were offered on them, and they were a substitutionary sacrifice. Exactly what Jesus was on the cross for us, the propitiation for our sins. And when you go to God and you say, God, you know what? I'm going to lay myself on this, on this altar. You, you provide the fire. Some of you, you need, you need to just come to this altar. Because you have sin in your life and, it, and that needs to be repented of. There's things going on in your life that you need to turn to God. And you need to let God just burn it out of you. Burn it off. You need to turn to God. And this is worship to God. When you turn to him with your whole heart and you say, God, I'm going to give you this relationship. I'm going to give you this addiction. I'm going to give you this worry. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it to you, God, and I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. You provide the spirit and I'll provide the vessel, right? I'll open up inside. It's surpassing greatness. Um, Verse six, I got to read Isaiah. It says this, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Glory to God. I want to give you an opportunity. We're just going to have a time of worship and praise. Um, And I want to give you an opportunity. I talked about this sacrifice. True worship is sacrificial. And I want to invite you to do something that we haven't done in a long time. But I want to encourage you to come forward and humble yourself before God. And maybe you're kneeling kneeling at one of these altars or maybe it's around the stage or around the steps, wherever. But I want to encourage you to come to God and say, God, (laughs) no more games. I'm going to worship you. 
I want you to change my heart, God. I want you to transform me. I want you to take out this lust. I want you to take out this anger. I want you to take out this arrogance. I want you to take out this whatever it is. And I want to give myself to you completely right now. Are you ready for church? Are you ready to worship God? I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to do that. God, thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Would you stir hearts here, God? Stir hearts here, God. You want to come forward? Would you come forward right now? I'm going to just challenge you. Just come forward right now. You want to come forward and you want to kneel down at one of these altars. Just come forward right now. Glory to God. Just come forward right now. Great, beautiful people coming forward. Just cry out to God. Give yourself to God. This is a spiritual act of worship right here, what you're doing. You're crying out to God. Give him your life. He sees it. Your past, your hurt, your wounds, that depression, whatever it is, give it to him. That worry, give it to him. <clears throat> God, I, I just pray that you move in the hearts of those who've come forward and those who are seated as well, but especially, God, those who've taken action. Would you just transform every heart, God? Transform every heart, Lord. We give you ourselves. That's true worship. That's true praise. It's sacrificial. And right now, God, we give you our life, our past, our present, our future. If you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I choose to become a Christian. Help me. Teach me how to walk with you, Jesus. Others of you might need to say, God, oh, Lord, take my praise and worship to another level. I want to praise you, God, with a heart of sacrifice. I recognize I'm insufficient. I'm recognizing you are great. And if the stars can proclaim your glory, I want to shout your glory. I want to praise you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Just hold on a second a little bit, guys. Hold on a second. I want to give our people time to pray just for a little bit. God is so good. God's doing something here right now, guys. <laughs> God loves you. God sees what's going on in your life. He cares about you. Our life is so short, isn't it, guys? It's just a breath. It's just a breath. And there's nothing like a heart that turns to God. I praise the Lord. Can you sense the spirit of the Lord in this place? God is here. God is here. God is here. Have your way here, God. <clears throat> praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the stringed instruments and pipes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything 
that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, we worship you. Thank you for moving here. Thank you for the hearts that you were touching. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your love. We worship you, God. It's in your name we pray. 